Welcome to another edition of The Gulo. And now, here are the Larrabee boys, Zach and Kyle. Well, uh, I want to I want to share first of all, um, kind of a, an experience that that I had growing up. I'm sure you guys are, are all familiar who are tuning in here on the Gulo this week. So, I remember being a little kid. I think I was uh, I think I was maybe middle school or something, and uh, I can remember the the, the previous Christmas. Um, I really wanted. I think it was like a bike or something, and I was uh, I was dreaming about it, and uh, I, I never got that. I still got some cool things, but I think that year I got a lot of socks and t-shirts and things that now I'd be super happy and um, thankful for. But as a little kid, you're like, man, like socks and t-shirts and stuff. Like what the heck? Like I want the cool stuff. I want the games. I want I want the bike. I want this. I want that. And so the whole year I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming about these things. I'm dreaming up, man, what would it look like for me to, to open these presents on Christmas and, and have an Xbox, have this, have that. And I can remember the following Christmas, we were driving around on, on Christmas Eve and um, uh, we, we were driving by the house. And this is after we left grandma and grandpa Larrabee's and we're going by dad's, dad's house and we stay in the car for some reason. And I remember that he, he had dropped our stepmom off to, uh, to go in the house. And he said, you know, we're not going to go in yet. We're going to continue to drive around the house. And so the suspense is building. And then I started dreaming, dreaming again of, man, maybe there's something really cool in there that I need to bring inside. That's for one of our, us kids, or maybe even myself. And so as we're driving around the road for, for about 20 minutes or so, we finally pull up in the driveway, we get out of the car, we go into the house and we start opening presents. And, and after all the presents are opened up, I remember it was being a good Christmas. I remember we were happy with whatever it is that we got. But the one thing that stood out to me, Kyle, was at the end of that night, they brought in one last present. It was for me. It was a mongoose bike with pegs on it. And I was so excited. Something that I had dreamt about, something that I had the ability to dream about, to savor. I finally got that one big present. And I was super excited and super happy. And I remember... I had a lot of great memories on that bike um, from, from, from there on out. And uh, it was so good as a kid to dream. It was so good. Even if you didn't get something, you knew the, you knew the next year that there was a possibility of being able to, to reach something that you haven't before. Now, as Michigan fans in the past, it has been a lot like that. I can remember as little kids, you know, if, if we didn't necessarily beat Ohio State, I knew the program was in a good spot to where the next year it was possible. I knew the next year it was possible for us to, to beat Ohio State, to, to have a successful season, and to go on to a bowl game, a big bowl game, maybe even the national championship, and win it all. We used to be able to dream for the next year of what it would be like to, to accomplish those goals at, as, Mich, as the Michigan football program, as Michigan football fans. Well, Kyle, that has been taken from us. It's been stripped from us this past weekend against Michigan State. Even when Harbaugh came in here to Michigan, we were still able to dream. We were able to dream about a day where we could win the Big Ten East, beat Ohio State, get to the Big Ten Championship, win it, and get into the college football playoff. We came so close in 2016. We were still able to dream. But now, 2020 pandemic, we're not even three weeks into the Big Ten season, and I can't even dream. It is over. It is over for me. There's no way I can dream. I can't dream about that day where we win the big time, where we beat Ohio State, where we get to the college football playoff. It's been taken from me. 
I don't even know what it's like to dream about those opportunities anymore because I know that under Jim Harbaugh, there will be no way that we get through the schedule that we win the Big Ten East and we get to be able to proclaim ourselves as conference champions, as possible national champions. And so, Kyle, that's where I sit today as we dive into week five or six or whatever it is of here on the Gulo, and we discuss this horrific scene on Halloween this past Saturday that we saw when Jim Harbaugh in his lazy, unprepared Michigan Wolverines, ranked number 13th, took the field and got their butts absolutely whooped up and down the field against Michigan State. And so here we are. I want to, again, just welcome all of our listeners into this. You guys have all experienced um, just a dreadful weekend as Michigan football fans, a moment that Jim Harbaugh has had at least one or two or maybe even three of these games the past six years of his tenure here. And we thought this year was definitely the year that it was going to be changed around. We have the quarterback. We have the skill set. We have the best running back room in the Big Ten, possibly the best defensive front. We lost to Michigan State, a team where Mel Tucker – Barely even had three weeks of the team before COVID shut down the country. A coach in Mel Tucker where he got hired on after the deadline was signing, was over. Recruiting was done for the year. He had no time with his team. They had Zoom call practices. And he came into the big house and absolutely made a fool of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football team. Kyle, I want to open it up to you a little bit, bud. And I just want to hear from you of your, your first initial reaction from this game. I mean, it... It was bad. I, I, I'm sitting here, and, and I thought maybe it's a Monday. I'm not as reactionary as I was on Saturday, and now we start this show. And, dude, I'm just uh, – I don't know where our next steps are. And it's – for me, it's over. I've lost all faith in Jim Harbaugh. He, he can go ahead and win these next four or five games, and I still know that he is not the man that's going to bring us to where we need to go because I know that week eight game against Ohio State is looming, and they're about to hang 100 on us. Kyle, what are your initial thoughts after this game on Saturday? Well, I mean, my initial reaction, I mean, um, shocked, stunned, um, had to rewatch it over again and break it down and try to make some type of logic sense out of it. Um, but my, my first initial reaction was just shock, stunned. You know, it was like a, a deer in headlights, you know, just completely like, what the heck? You know, it's like, the Michigan fan in, in was it 2018 or, or when we when we got the block bun and you know he's just like completely frozen and, and just staring out at the abyss of nothing you know just that's how it was man I mean I was you know my prediction of 69 to 13 um, was completely shattered uh, I personally took this as an embarrassment for my, not only my prediction, but just my total analysis of last week that, you know, I, I thought I thought I did pretty good on. And I thought, I, I, honestly, I had the confidence in the team to, to go down and um, really pound it to Michigan State. You know, I knew the first two quarters was going to be a little rough and it was going to be a close game because it's a rivalry, in-state rivalry. And Michigan State always does this. You know, they always – always give us a fight and there's a lot of times that we uh there's upsets and and so I knew that coming into this prediction last week and just thought we had a different team thought we had a different uh different 
different game plan going into this different season. I thought we had something that was unstoppable um, and unbreakable. And that again is just the Michigan classic Michigan fan with the Kool-Aid glasses on and the, you know, the, the dreaming attitude that we all seem to have or used to have. But yeah, I think this, um, this game was a real hard one to swallow. It's, uh, it's very hard to, to dream much more after this because it really kind of, you know, for most Michigan fans, this was kind of that last, last straw that really broke the camel's back. Um, you know, the Twitter frenzy was going nuts all, all weekend. And, uh, you know, one guy had a funny video, a Michigan State Spartan fan of, of doing the whole um, reenactment of the guy on the skateboard with the, yeah. the jug of uh, juice. Um and he did, he had a, a water bottle, you know, a gallon, five gallons, yeah. a gallon. And it said Michigan Wolverines tears and he was drinking it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was funny. fun. Um, you know, I, I thought it was funny. I retweeted it. It was funny, but it's true. You know, we, we were tearing, we're crying, we're upset, shocked, stunned, embarrassed, you know, because so many of us Michigan fans, we were ready to celebrate before they even came out of the tunnel and hit that banner. And I think uh, for some reason, I think the Michigan players thought the same thing as they were um, coming out of that tunnel. It's almost like they had, they just had to show up, put the shoulder pads on the helmet, uh, put the girl strap on and get out there and hit that banner, go through the tunnel and everything was going to be okay. You know, no fans, you know, I don't know if that had some type of initial reaction for some of the players too. Um but it uh, it's unsettling to see to see what the the ending score was and to see how bad we we honestly got beat on both sides, um, and uh, to see year six in the Harbaugh era, it's it's a lot of people are saying that this is it. This is the year that you know this is this is the end, the end of of the Harbaugh era. Uh, a lot of people want him out now, or they want to wait till the end of the season to to have him out. Um, a lot of people are talking for Don Brown as well to go with them and for Josh Gaddis to, you know, a lot of people are saying even for Josh Gaddis to go. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on with this. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you, you see, you're talking about us drinking the Kool-Aid and stuff. Um, I just switched to my Detroit lions Kool-Aid today, which I mean, I was picking out my coffee mug and I was like, honestly, we're all losers. So it doesn't matter what mug I grab. <laughs> I'm drinking loser coffee. Um, but as, as I look at the game from last week against Minnesota, um, you, when the goggles come off and the Kool-Aid wears off, I look at that game and I say, man, I, I should have been a little bit more prepared for this game. I gave a 52 to 10 prediction, I think it was, something like that. And when I look back at that Minnesota game, our defensive front got beat up pretty bad. Our defensive front got beat up pretty bad. And I was like, and initially I thought it was because Minnesota's offensive line was just that good, which they are experienced for the most part. They had a couple guys out, but I, I should have taken note of that because we didn't get any pressure on Lombardi this past weekend. We, 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 it, it was just, it was awful. Now, now, yeah, we, we did stop the run a lot better than we did last week against Minnesota, but, um, and then, and then in other parts of our game too, Joe Milton, I mean, he, in Minnesota, he didn't really throw any passes beyond five or 10 yards. I mean, they were, they were all RPO type passes and, and, and uh, it was more so yards after catch and stuff like that. And yeah, his receivers dropped a couple balls, but 
all I'm saying is, and, and look, by no means should we have lost this game. By no means do I think Michigan State's roster is better than Michigan's. Michigan's roster is a very, very top-notch level. Um, but all I, all I said is execution-wise, I should have been coming in this game knowing, man, maybe we didn't look as good as we thought we did against Minnesota. And uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the towel always goes, you never know until it happens. You never know until, you know, that, that it hits you in the face. And then you realize the mistake that, that you made sometimes. And I tell you what, man, um, I don't think I will ever, ever under the Harbaugh tenure go into a game ever thinking that we are going to blow anybody out because it's just not given. It's not given. And um, looking more specifically on the offense side of the ball, this is a team coming in this into this Michigan state game to where I was like, man, Joe Milton looked really poised against Minnesota. Um, he's going to probably throw a little bit more during this game. I'm hoping to see him throw downfield a little bit more. Um, our run game again is super deep. Our running back room is super deep. I was looking for them to make a lot of big plays, a lot of great plays. And it just didn't seem to happen right out the gate. We just got stopped at the line of scrimmage. Our offensive line got completely dominated looked like they didn't even know what to do out there. Ben Mason missed a block on the first play of the game. It was just, it was horrendous, man. So I want you to bring us through a little bit more specifically and in depth of our offensive play. What, what went wrong? When you look at this film, you look at this stuff happen from our offense to, to Joe Milton, to our, our line um, receivers, everything. What in the heck happened this past weekend to where they could not um, make progress like they did last week against Minnesota? Well, um, you know, Joe Milton, and honestly, I think Joe Milton and the freshman class actually did pretty good. Um, this is where me and you will kind of split. Um, you know, I'm going to take the good cop, you take the bad cop type of <laughs> scenario. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter, too, they're going to hate me for it, you know, and, oh, stop taking the high road, you know, or stop trying to be so positive, you know. Harbaugh sucks. <laughs> it's time for him to go. And I agree. And everybody's going to be riding that train. But me personally, I was, you know, that was my first reaction, my first reactionary emotions. Um, it's reactionary. That's what we all, you know, react after a, a huge loss against a rival in-state team. And it happens over and over again every year. Um, we seem to be this team who loses that one game at the beginning of the season. And then we also get really good and hyped up and we motivate ourselves to get through the rest of um, you know, we go on this five or six game winning streak and also we play Ohio State and we're all all of our, our um, hopes are back and, you know, back at a high level. We're dreaming again and we're excited. And then Ohio State comes and they bring us right back down. So it's like a roller coaster all year long. You know, we go from Kool-Aid glasses, Michigan, we get kind of beat down a little bit against a in-state rival or, a, a, you know, or a top 25 team that we just can't beat even though we're supposed to beat them, you know, so it's up and down. And that's how Harbaugh has been his, the whole era with him is um, upset after upset and teams beating us that shouldn't be beating us that they have no business to beating us. Uh, Michigan state had no business beating us. And we lost to um, kind of a bad Michigan state team. They played the best game of their season. This was their super bowl, their, their championship. Um, Rocky Lombardi had his best game of his career. Um, you know, we were 21.5, uh, 21 and a half points favorites going into this Vegas. Um, 
in the score, I mean, 27 to 24, you know, and most of them had, had them beating them at least by 30, 40 points. So on the offensive side, I think Joe Milton, the freshman class, looked good. Milton threw for 32, 51 passes, 300 yards, and carried the ball 12 times for 59 yards. Had a pass rating of 63%. Um, ended up beating out Rocky Lombardi's, I think, at like around 53%, something like that. So he did pretty good, Joe Milton. Um, he did overthrow on some key passes that should have been on the money. And obviously, I had a couple guys on Twitter saying, well, we, you know, Shea Patterson could have done that. He would have put that around the money. But you're talking a three-year Shea Patterson against a two-game starter, Joe Millen. Um, so we know these guys are young. They have to develop still and experience and settle in and learn from their mistakes, which I think they are. But the freshmen and the younger class did a great job. You know, the wide receiver group had a few drops. Um, after a confusing loss, Joe Millen did say that it was on him. He owned up to it in, in the press conference uh, debriefing. Um, he said that they didn't execute well, that these that they did practice this. They didn't see nothing unusual. They, this was all in practice. They seen it all. They knew what they had to do, and they just didn't execute good enough. He said it's on him on those passes and on him on these plays. He owned up to it. He said, I'm forever humble. Um, you know, so I believe that Joe Milton did a good job of owning up to it. And um, we've seen that in the press conference. He did say that they have to do a better job. Um, you know, MSU defense, the line beat up Michigan's offensive line. Honestly, it was one in the trenches. The Michigan State often, uh, defensive line, their offensive line, the line in general beat up on our, our, our line. Um, the, the pocket broke down quite a lot. Milton was forced to run for his life. We've seen that a lot. He was running a lot. He got a little happy feet, but he had to because when I was watching these plays and um, some of these other guys I know on Twitter, same thing. You know, they're, they're like, they're breaking it down, saying, look at all these plays that Joe Milton has to run for his life because um, the blitzing from Michigan State, uh, our offense was confused and they just couldn't, um, they couldn't protect Joe Milton fast enough. And Joe Milton was forced to, run or try to make that quick throw. But the thing is, is our wide receivers couldn't get open. They couldn't, our wide receiver groups had no, no space, no, no, no break off. And um, I think Urban Meyer said that best was they were able to press down on our wide receivers and they were able to put pressure on Joe Milton and make him throw fast and throw early. And he couldn't do that. And, uh, they played to Joe Milton's game and, and, you know, they won that battle. Michigan State won on the defensive battle up front and, and they were able to, um, able to, to stop our wide receivers from getting open. And that was the biggest key that Urban Myers said that the reason why we lost that game was because our wide receivers could not get open to, to catch the pass and the passing in general was, was not there, you know, for the big, for the big plays. Um, Blake Corum did look fast, though. He showed off his speed with two touchdowns, two catches. Roman Wilson did go with five catches for 71 yards. A.G. Henning caught a pass for 15 yards and a run. Um, so I think all the Michigan fans should be excited for these young players as they grow and get more experience. Our offensive line kept getting their shoulders turned and blocking out, which was not good. Blocking stance techniques need to improve. That's Ed Warner. You know, he needs, we need to do a better job of that. I went back and paused some of those plays and our offensive line was again, turning just like they were last week. And Doug Skeen brought that, but 
back uh, brought that up last week against Minnesota. Seen the same thing this week. Um, like you said earlier, Ben Mason throughout the bat was like frozen. It's like he just wasn't there, like he was sleeping, and he just completely whipped the block, and we got crushed. We had uh, numerous injuries that kind of occurred throughout the game. Uh, a lot of them were minor, and a lot of these players will be back for Indiana. So, um, Joe Milton said, none of these pressures really affected me. That was just me as a person. I've got to fix it, Milton said. I was a lot more poised last week against Minnesota. I got more poised throughout this game, but I don't know why my feet was busy. I, I think my mind was just roaming everywhere. That's totally on me. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. It's just on me. So he owned up to it, his faults, but this wasn't on him. Honestly, this was as a collective team. This was on the coaches, the coaching, um, the plays. It was uh, in general, just the schemes and Michigan State came out, played their best, and we couldn't get open on offense. We Our line got beat, and as a collective whole, we could not execute, like you said earlier, Zach. And Michigan over and over again tested Michigan State's middle, and they're, uh, nearly every time it failed. The perimeter worked, especially with true freshman wide receiver Roman Wilson. But over and over again, the Wolverines attempted to force plays that weren't there. Harbaugh didn't blame Milton for those faults, and rightly so. Um, but we didn't see some of those exceptional throw, throws, Harbaugh said, that we we seen earlier with the Minnesota game. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the wide receivers just not getting open. So, we, you know, if you watch it, you can see that we would have a rhythm, and then that rhythm would, would cut. Then we'd get a rhythm again, then we'd cut. Um, so we were going up and down with our rhythm. We couldn't get into a really good rhythm and keep that momentum going. Um, and that's how that drive would, it would, it would also be a third and long or a second and long. We, what would we do? You know, our coaches would end up trying to run the ball up the middle. And so some of the play calling was just stupid. It was, it was pretty dumb. And I, I was just pulling my hair out, especially, you know, I was eating pizza sitting here watching when Joe Milton, you know, was, was running the ball. They had momentum. They were cruising down the football field. And they have all this synergy, all this energy put into this drive. You know, they're linked in, they're focused, they're locked in, they're moving, they're ready to score. They're almost there. They're in the red zone. All of a sudden, Harbaugh or Gaddis completely stalls the drive, cuts the synergy, the energy out, retries to, to, to uh, uh, pretty much retries to move this offense with a new scheme called the Wildcat. They take Joe Milton out. He's sitting on the sideline. They bring in Hassan Haskins as quarterback. Two plays in a row. I mean, if it doesn't work the first time, why try again? They keep pounding a Wildcat on the red zone, and it almost gets intercepted a little too too low on the pass. Um, but the thing is, is Joe Milton could have scored that. Why Why take all that? You know how you know how valuable that energy is, how long that takes to get that precious energy built up to get a movement downfield and to break that up and then try to bring in a whole new formation on the red zone. To me, that was fancy. It was trying to be cute. Uh, it was way too much. It was overthinking. And it's just, to me, it shows that inexperienced or just not the right play calling with the coaches. And I want to pull my hair out because even Joe Millen, you could tell he was frustrated. He's like, come on, man. But in the press conference, he said, look, I just do what you're telling me to do. You, you put me in, I go play, you take me out. I 
look, I'm not the only person on the team. This is a team effort. Um, so he has a really good head on his shoulders. He did a good job answering that question from the press. But to me, that was a no-go. You know, if they would have scored that touchdown instead of that field goal, we could have won the game. So it's, it's those minor things like that to me. Um, that, the penalties, the um, and, and some of the, the, the lack of execution as a whole in the team, the offensive line, the defensive line, our DBs on defense, as we'll get into, as a collective whole, all that was was major factors in us losing this game. So. I, I think two things. One, one big point you brought up with uh, with the receivers doing well. I mean, I would agree for the most part. You know, our freshman class and sophomore class, like they're doing a good job. We're we're missing those that one big or those two big receivers to go downfield to really have a downfield threat. Which brings up a point that um, I just thought of. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones and uh, uh, Nico Collins were supposed to be seniors this year, and they both opted out. Ne- uh, Peoples-Jones left for the draft last year. Nico Collins opted out of the out of the season. And so you have those two receivers in here, and I think this offense is actually moving the ball downfield with big play a momentum a lot better than we saw happen on Saturday. But with that, it kind of seems to be a reoccurring thing with Michigan under Harbaugh. These players are – are leaving when we need them most. These players yeah. aren't hanging around when we need them, which tells me that a culture is not being set that is that is encouraging players to hang around for that one big year to, to accomplish something as a team. I mean, you look at Clemson and, and Dabo Sweeney, Travis Etienne stays back for his senior year when he could have been a big high draft pick last year, um, but he came back. He came back to finish school. He came back to – you know, win win championship. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. He wanted to come back, and who knows next year? Trevor Lawrence may came back, might come back again. I doubt it, but there's a possibility that he could. Was well, because of the culture that self that that is set there. Michigan has a hard time of keeping players to where they're really going to excel. I mean, if you look at Michigan's recruiting recruit recruits, when these players hit junior, they're gone. Just imagine if they were to stay here another year, what this Michigan team would look like. I mean. Imagine what our offense would be like with um, our offensive linemen who stayed from last year. A couple of those senior guys to come back and and really um, bring this thing to the next level. Imagine what our receiving core would look like with Nico Collins and um, even Tariq Black, which I'm glad he's gone because his attitude was poor, but um, our Peoples-Jones to stay back. Imagine what that would be with our offense. So for me, again, it's kind of just – it's hard for me to swallow because – I look at these, these, these dudes who left, and I'm like, man, they could have been so valuable to see this team reach championship level. Why do they keep leaving? And for once, I just want a class. I want a people to want to stay at Michigan and win a championship. I don't want them to, to be here for themselves, to be the Rashawn Garys, to leave, to build their own brand. Again, I'm glad they're doing it, especially in 2020. It's a different game than it was 20, 30 years ago. They can leave for the draft earlier. They have the opportunities to do that, to make a living for themselves that they didn't have as a child. I get that. But that's a problem we have is these players are opting out. They're leaving early. And it, it feels like we're in a consistent rebuild of a, well, we got to get, get the new wave of receivers in here. Well, these receivers are young and they still need to grow. And so we're just always in that consistent season where we can never get over the hump because these players continue to uh, continue to leave early. That's my first thing. The second thing with the offense is Josh Gaddis's play calling reminded me a lot of last year's army game. We kept thinking to ourselves, why, why do we keep running the ball up the middle? 
And, and honestly, I wasn't really impressed with Joe Millen because how many times was it third and long and he threw a great ball on third and long that got us a first down? I mean, I think there was like three or four times where Joe Millen threw a long ball or it was at least 10 to 15 yards to where it got us their first down. I was like, whoo, we get another set of downs. We get to continue this momentum. But then Josh Gaddis runs the ball right up the middle again. It's just like, why, why do you continue to do this? And again, it just shows that they – they, they aren't making in-game adjustments. In Joe Millen's interview, his post-game interview, they asked him, you know, was there any adjustments made? He said, no, we didn't make any adjustments because we felt good about what we were doing. And these things are just setting off red flags because they're consistently happening. There's no in-game adjustments because they feel like what they had planned for is going well. Well, sorry to burst the bubble here, but um, if – if the game's not prepared Monday through Friday, it's not going to be won on Saturday. The game was not lost on this past Saturday. It was lost Monday through Friday, which means they did not prepare well through the week. I'm sorry. You can cut it any way you want it. This game was lost Monday through Friday. These players, these coaches were unprepared Monday through Friday, while on the other side, Mel Tucker had his team ready to go. And so I look at this game offensively, and I say, look, Joe Millen did have a lot of yards but he never got in the end zone. Joe Millen did have these things, but he never, he never, he, we were never able to cross that over the goal line into the end zone. And it was just, for me, man, th- th- this is why it's keeping us fans sitting here reaction, reacting like this is because it's year after year. It's those one or two games to where we're waiting for this game plan to come out to really put points upon them. Cause we know we need them. And they just decide not to do that. You talk about Blake Corum. That first touchdown where we tied it up seven to seven, where we ran around the end, man, that was ex- that that was awesome. I could not believe what I saw from him. I was like, dude, this guy reminds me of a J.K. Dobbins type. And then we don't use him hardly ever the rest of the game. We keep running the ball up the middle. It's just for me, man. I think this is where a lot of the um, just frustration is coming from, is because these coaches, it's just like they don't know what they want to do. And then you're hearing from players that they're not making adjustments. And Joe Millen's back there saying, I just got to prepare more. I just got to do better. I felt like I was good. I just got to, I just got to execute. We've been hearing the same thing over and over again. That it's just a deal of execution. Well, I, I mean, well, I, I, that's why we're sitting here. We're not able to dream anymore because it's just happening I mean, over and over. Arguably the biggest upset in Harbaugh era for sure. Yeah. Arguably, you know, there's arguably because there's many other games that people argue with on that one. But I, to me, it was probably the, um, the most arguable. It was probably the biggest upset. For sure, just because it was 21.5 favorite Michigan was going into that. Um, our, and, and no one thought MSU could win this game, especially with Michigan being ranked number 13 and Michigan State not even being ranked, just losing to the Rutgers, um, looking like crap. But the thing is, is like Mel Tucker said, is they had a lot of turnovers. If those were cleaned up, it would have been a different team, you know, different Michigan State team against the Rutgers. Um, and, and that I overlooked, I had Michigan state fans on Twitter saying, see, told you, Kyle, you know, my prediction was right. Yours was wrong. I was like, look, I had to own up to it myself. Just like Harbaugh said, he had to own up to it. you know, I'm wrong. <laughs> Michigan state's right. I'm ugly. Michigan state's pretty. I'm bad. They're good. I suck. They're awesome. You know? <laughs> Hail the Spartans. Because, <laughs> I mean, Michigan came in way too confident. The, me- the media and the fans hyped it up. I hyped it up. Um, 
they were flat, man. Just like OSU last year and Wisconsin last year. You remember the Wisconsin game? I said it. I said, man, we are flat. Like we are not coming out here. Like we want to play. Um, they they thought it was as long as they dressed up, like I said earlier, and they came out there, they were gonna win. But Harbaugh, he's not his old self. You know, he he's not he's not he doesn't have that same energy and that same fight that he he used to have when he first came out of the the tunnel um i don't know what happened to the old harbaugh but the blue pants didn't work I mean, he, he wore them again thinking that maybe that would help but i just think if he had a better energy a bit uh, more force that would actually you know the 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 players see that they they lock into your coach's energy and to me since he hasn't been like that he's kind of stepped back and be that ceo um, he's kind of lost that that um, that drive to want to show that expressive energy on the football field like he used to. And, and I think the players hype up on it. It's like Dabo Sweeney, you know, he gets hyped up. I've seen Nick Saban getting hyped up on the on the sideline. I think as a coach, it's good to be hyped up energy because that's what football is. Football is a physical and mental emotional game that you have to be revved up 24-7 in that game. And, and I think Harbaugh, I don't know if it's lackadaisy that I feel like I see, but it's just uh, the energy's not there. An available lesson to be learned, be better prepared, study lots of film on what went wrong, and have to get back to Michigan football the way we're used to playing against Indiana. And that's what that's all I can really say on that is we have to close this. We have to look forward to Indiana. Uh, stats were close. Michigan outgained Michigan State 452 yards to 449. And our and we rushed the Spart we outrushed the Spartans 152 to 126. Joe Milton had a uh, like a 63 percent passer rating compared to Lombardi, who only had like a 53 or 54 some of that. Um, so it really came down to some key big plays and some key battles. We get it starts at the top. Starts at the top. Harbaugh has to win this in-state rivalry. No excuse. Um, his teams, they came out flat, ill-prepared, not ex- executing properly. We looked sloppy, beat, and flat. I think that uh, they came out of the tunnel and hit the bear, and then they thought they could win. And that's really what it comes down to against this Michigan State is, is execution and, and ill-prepared. Um, maybe maybe they practiced all week, but they just came out well, not ready. Add, I mean, yeah, and, and I want to add on that again, too, like, and I told you this last night when we were talking on the phone. To me, this is this is the worst loss that Michigan's had, gosh, that in my lifetime. This is worse than Appalachian State because when we played it, when we lost to Appalachian State, it wasn't like Michigan came out there flat and didn't want to play. We just got beat by a better team in Appalachian State, and I don't think it was until a couple years after that that people realized really how good the Appalachian State team was. We just couldn't compete with their speed. It wasn't a lack of uh, a fortitude or, or, or a desire or a want. We just got beat by a better Appalachian State team um, that game in 2007. This is totally different. And, and, and you're right. Harbaugh is more so now just a shell of what he used to be. Well, let me tell you this. Harbaugh has never been anywhere more than, what, three years or so? And so after his first three years at Michigan, he's used to transitioning to a new team to bring a new excitement and new energy well, it's like he's he's been stuck at the same place now for six years to where he's just completely lost that. And I don't know if he's ever going to get it back. There is well, nothing there. There is nothing indicating to me that Jim Harbaugh 
will return to who he used to be on the sidelines. There's nothing indicating that to me because this is now the third or fourth year in a row to where he has come out in a game. He, and look, your team is going to be, your family is going to be a reflection of who you are as a leader. And the team came out flat multiple times now in his tenure, not because they came out flat, but because Jim Harbaugh himself has come out flat because Jim Harbaugh himself throughout the week has failed to prepare his team mentally to get up for these types of games. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I don't see so. anything that is going to show that Harbaugh is going to turn the page with this part in his coaching. Well, I think that the three things that we've seen that need to be fixed is we have to be able to adjust in the game, not just at practice. Um, like Don Brown tried to say, uh, Harbaugh said that we do adjust at half. We do try to adjust. But the thing is, sometimes you have to adjust on the fly during the game. And it seems to me like they're having trouble adjusting properly, uh, which comes down to the coaches just being um, uh, being very um, bold-headed with that. They also, it comes down to culture. And you hit pretty much you've been hitting on that. Um we have to build a culture. And I think Harbaugh was trying to do that. You know, he's bringing back the, the helmet stickers. He's bringing back the real maze color, the meaner looking winged helmet. He's trying to build this culture, this brand. Um, and I think for the most part, we were sold on it as fans for a long time. But there's been a lot of people, even up to two or three years ago, that said, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying the, the, the physical appearance the um you know i want to see results i want to see you uh, it it starts right here if you want to build the culture it starts right here the culture starts in here it starts and you um i i think that harbaugh has failed at that at trying to build that heart culture i guess we'll call it heart culture (laughs) um because I mean, if, it's like we were, me and you were talking the other day, you know, let's say we were playing our rival team back in high school. Let's say you only play nine games and let's say you go, you know, five and four, six and three every year. And you go, and you win, you know, over 500 every year, you know, over 50%. That's really what Harbaugh is doing at a college level, but with a whole lot more talent than most of the teams that he's facing you know, that's a problem. You know, we have high school teams out there that have really good coaching with not as much talent. They do a lot more. Same with a lot of these coaches in college who they, they get a chance to play an elite college team, uh, school like Jim Trestle did, um, and they can do a lot more with that. So, yeah, I think we have a problem with, with this right now, and, and I'm still graceful and patient. I want to see – I, I think Michigan can – I'm going to continue to ride the Harbaugh train. I'm going to continue to ride the Michigan train. I'm going to continue to keep my Kool-Aid glasses on for now and just kind of duck and hide and kind of take this as it goes through this year. Um, just because I think that, you know, we're at a fork in a road. You can – either we, we – he doesn't renew his contract at the end of this year and we find a, a what, a better coach that's in the top three elite you know, that's better than Clemson or just as good as Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, which is very tough to do. That's rare to find that type of talent. Or you find somebody that's exactly the same as Harbaugh, which gets you what we already have right now and must well stick with a guy who 
um, is here at Michigan, right? It was Bennett, who's a Michigan man. Um, look, we're consistently every year a little bit over 500. We're, we're doing mediocre. Um, we're doing mediocre at, at 11 and where we usually 10, 10 and two, nine and three. Um, is that good enough? I don't think so. No, but do I still have hope for Harbaugh to do better than that, to get to that next level? I think it's a learning curve. I think that he has to learn how to adjust in the game. His coaches need to learn how to adjust. They need to build a better culture within the game experience, within the heart. And they have to, he has to learn modern offenses he has to learn how to how to run a modern offense and how to run the spread correctly he has his gas needs they need to be on the same page with this um and we have to be able to defend modern offenses like ohio state uh like i mean even with michigan state we got burned our defense i mean we're about to talk about the defense and it's, it's, we're at that point right now where it's, it's year after year where we're continually repeating ourselves. They're not changing and we're still getting beat by our in-state rival by Ohio state. So yeah, it's, we're at that pivotal point right now at fork or road. And all I want to do is sit at the fork and try to wait for a new road to appear. But obviously that can't happen. You know, either you stay with Harbaugh, or you have to get, or, well, or you get off the Harbaugh train. And does does Ward Manuel does he walk in the coffee break room and look at Harbaugh with his coffee mug and say, "Look, Bo, you have to win out, and you have to beat Ohio State. We have to win the Big Ten championship, and I want to see us try to make it to the playoffs yeah. this year, or else you're not getting that contract extension. Or I'm going to extend you for one year next year, and you have to beat Michigan State." You have to be Ohio State, Big Ten Championship, and you have to be in the playoffs. If you don't make any of those, you'll be fired after each one of those deadlines that you don't make. You know, well, you can and do that. And that, so. and that, and that's got to be the discussion that needs to happen. And for me, the reason why I'm off is 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 this: there's some things when people say there's some things that that can't be coached, you just need to have it. I think there's some things that, as a coach, that you can't develop other people in if you don't have it. And Harbaugh obviously is missing a piece that I can't even dream that's going to come back because I know it's not going to come back. I, he has failed, and I'm completely off the train with Harbaugh. I don't care if we win the rest of our games and lose to Ohio State. And I'll add this. We say, well, what other coach can we get that can bring us to the teams that are elite right now with Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama? And I'll say this. Obviously, there's no coach right now that you can say is like those three coaches because – if he was, then he'd be getting paid a lot of money, and he'd be at one of those universities. My my thing is this. There is a coach like those three coaches. He's coaching at a smaller school right now that if you look at, if you hand him the resources that Michigan has, he can be an elite coach like like Ryan Day, like Dabo, and like Nick Saban. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a coach right now. His name is Jamie Chadwell. He coaches for Coastal right over there up in Myrtle Beach. You know, he was at Charleston Southern University, Kyle, when I attended there and he took a team that had okay, a yes. program that was completely bad and he won big self championships. He recruited to the point now you're talking, you're recruiting in Somerville, South Carolina, Goose Creek. You're, you're it's a local community college type field to where you're recruiting these players in state type of thing. 
He brought them within three points of beating North Dakota State, a team that wins those Division II national championships year after year. <laughs> the same team that had Carson Wentz there as their quarterback. Jamie Chadwell took, took Charleston Southern University to that type of level. And then he gets to go to Coastal Carolina to where now he's the head coach, and they're, under, they're undefeated, and they're ranked number 15th in the country. You're telling me – and th- this is a guy where he has created a culture – he has created a love. He has created something for his players to where they just want to play for him, and he's going to prepare his team. If you give an underdog coach like that an opportunity to coach at the University of Michigan, you think he's going to let that squander? You think he's not going to look at that and say, all right, if I'm coming into this program, what are the two things that I need to make sure I accomplish here? Beat Ohio State, beat Michigan State, win a Big Ten championship. That's what I need to do. So for me, when we're looking for our next coach, which I think it is coming – we need a coach like that to where we say, look, what coach has succeeded at a level to where if we hand him the resources that the University of Michigan can give him, that he's going to succeed. Because obviously we hired a guy, Jim Harbaugh, who came in already highly paid, has already proven himself. We handed him everything, and he has failed. I'm telling you right now, there is a coach out there that can bring us to the elite level. He's just not at the elite level yet. We need to assist him to get there. Well, my, my thing is, though, Zach, too, is, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of failure. I'm an entrepreneur, a business yeah. owner. I see failure all the time. I've failed multiple, multiple times at different businesses, different things. I see risk, reward. Um, I take a lot of risk. That's part of entrepreneurship. You know, you have to take a lot of risk to take, to have that, that, that reward or to, to, have that satisfaction that you're looking for that freedom or whatever you're looking for um when it comes to football it comes to seeking for that head coach or or you want that dream as a michigan fan or as an administration as a as a college you want that dream to see michigan especially the ward manual they you want to see national championships you want to see relevance you want to see big 10 championships um, and you thought you had your guy, you paid him a whole lot of money and it's not working out six years uh, later. Um, a lot of people are off the wagon. Most people are actually completely burning the wagon down to the ground now. Um, where, where, where do you go? Where, where do you go? Do you take that risk? Is the risk finally over, overmatched to grab that reward where you say, sorry, Harborough, um, I'm, we're done with you. I think we need to find this guy from coastal that we're going to take a massive risk on. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, it's going to really burn us to the ground even worse again, well, bring you know us back what? to the dark ages. Even do you worse know what I can guarantee? Or do you know what I guarantee? This is what I want to see. I want to see a coach who has effort. Do you know what I care more about than a national championship and stuff? A coach who has effort, who wants to actually try to play in a football game. I'd rather see Jamie Chadwell come here and have his team prepared and have his team, a team where I can look at and I can be proud of, a team to where the rest of the people don't give us crap, a team to where we can say, you know what? They came in this game prepared. They came in this game ready to play. And if they do those things every single week, there will be a breakthrough. I'd rather have that with Jamie Chadwell than have Harbaugh come out here, paid so much money in year after year after year, give us an effortless team to put on the field, something we can't be proud for. 
something to where we well, are thinking of spending money to go to the Michigan Ohio State game next year, knowing very well that they're going to throw it in the trash. Well, I think I think as well a lot you got a lot of your fans, dimensional. You know, I look at all the different types of Michigan fans here. You got a lot of fans that are old school, or they they look at Michigan as, look, we have always been mediocre. You got those fans. Or, hey, we've always been mediocre. But we've always, but we've always given effort. Yeah, I mean, mediocrity is kind of Michigan's thing. Uh, we didn't win a, a national championship until 1997, and the last time before that was 1948. Um, Bo Schembechler never won a natty, but he did win a heck of a lot of Big Ten championships, and that's really what his whole, um, you know, who whoever stays will be champions. Um, that's where that comes. That's really what he's talking about is the Big Ten championship. And that's all we want. Uh, that's all we but want. The thing, the thing is, is we have always kind of, you know, we've had tight battles against Ohio State, against Michigan State. We've always been um, on that losing side or the winning side. It's been 50-50 for the most part. Um, but, you know, I see that mediocre type of side. But then I see the side like you where it's like, look, we deserve to be that Alabama, that Clemson, and we should be winning natties every year or every other year. We should at least be relevant in the playoffs, yeah. fighting for the playoffs, winning Big Ten championships, beating in-state rivals consistently, beating teams that we're supposed to be beating, and competing against Ohio State, closing that talent gap, closing the um, – you know, we shouldn't be only beating them twice in 20 years. Uh, we shouldn't be – narrowing that 58 to 51 to six record year after year that used to be a huge massive gap has now been closed down to nothing um you know i see that side it's this side where the winged helmet means something the most winningest program means something the biggest michigan attendance means something i see that side i see the block m meaning something and i see that as well so we're at that four. What way do we go? Do we take the risk? Finally, is it there against the reward? And that's as fans, we're just driving us nuts. We're pulling our hair out. Most fans are now realistically saying, I think it's time. But I think we need to wait out this year, see how Harbaugh does against all the rest of the five or six teams we play against, if we can, with this COVID. Um, and even maybe I'd say we extend them to one more year and we say, you know, this is what you got to do this following year because you'll have a lot of these inexperienced players now in their second, third year. Joe Milton will have another year, and I think we we give them that final year. This is it. If you can't show up, if you can't get what we need done, and I'm speaking on board manuals behalf right now, then we part ways. Or you continue just to contract him out as long as you want, and we kind of do mediocre, and maybe one day we – win a big 10 hopefully if he can finally get his <laughs> the, de the defensive coordinator situation right and, and finally get it schooled up on how to run a, a modern offense you know so which yeah, which i yeah, which i, I which i just can't i bring that grace to the table i yeah. think that has to come first and extended grace um you know i know a lot of people are like yo i gave him grace three years ago it's been way up past due it's time you know, because if you get beat by Ohio State two years in a row by 60 points, 70 points, Don Brown should have been fired by now. Harbaugh should have been on, on the platter two years ago. You know, it, it's time. 
So if me, it, if, I if think, it was any other coach besides Jim Harbaugh, who has lost so bad like this, who has put lax, bad, unprepared, unenergetic, uneffortless teams on the field like Jim Harbaugh has, any other coach, they would have been fired. They they would have been gone. I there's difference between being a mediocre team, being nine and three, ten and two but having ultimate effort, because if you have ultimate effort all the time, you're going to be more prepared in some of those games. There's a difference between that and being nine and four, like Jim Harbaugh has been and putting effortless teams out on the field. That's what I'm most disgusted as is I can't even be proud of this team because of the effortless that is in that locker room. And it starts with the head coach and it's history repeats itself. All right. There was a world war two for a reason. There's wars after wars. History repeats itself. Jim Harbaugh will continue to repeat himself. He hasn't proved anything that he won't do otherwise. Well, I, I think that the players do care and that they – I think the players do have effort and they showed the effort and they really did want this. Um, I think there was just an amount of things that happened in this game that hopefully we can correct and move forward with and move and, pa- and move past this game, but also the players not move past this game to remember what they did wrong and what happened in this game. And I would love to see Michigan turn this whole thing around, show everybody, including us fans, that um, we have it wrong, that it was just a bad game, in-state rivalry. We're going to go on a six-game winning streak and even upset Ohio State. But that's the dream side coming in. That's the um, side of me that just still has hope. The only only thing that will change my mind this year, the only thing, and I'm not even dreaming about it because I know it's not going to happen. You have to win out, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten East, win the Big Ten Championship, and go to the college football playoff. That's the only way, the only way that any part of me will say, you know what, I think think I'll I'll stick with Jim Harbaugh. Because you know what, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's how done I am. The only way that he will ever get back in my books as the coach that I want here to stay here is if he wins this year. If he finds a way to beat Ohio State, use the money that you're getting paid with, use the facilities that you have, use the coaches that are around you, the, the resources that you have, find a way to prepare like none other for Ohio State, win the rest of the season, beat them, win the Big Ten Championship, then my mind will be changed. Until then, it's done because I know it's not happening. I'm glad that we get to play this bad cop, good cop game. Um, <laughs> me personally, I'm not off the train yet. I'm still on the go Harbaugh train. I'm still on the Michigan train. I'm still on the effort train. Let's do this. Let's adjust. Let's bring this past this game past us. Let's also remember what we did wrong and, and stay humble and stay hungry. And let's go and show the rest of the season who we are as long as COVID doesn't get us. Um, and, and, and turn this thing around. And I want, I want to see Harbaugh prove people wrong and prove even himself maybe wrong. Because in that press conference, he looked defeated. He looked um, like he's just seen a deer, like deer in headlights. You know, he's just – he looked like he do, he's defeated. And he looks like he knew it. And, like, he, uh, he, he knows he lost that game. The coaching staff lost that game. And mm-hmm. some of the play calling – a lot of the play calling was just horrible. Um, honestly, on our side. And, you know, and I, and I sat here last week and talked trash about um, Michigan State and how their offense was trash and their offensive line, their junk, and 
I got to take that back. I mean, I'm embarrassed. You know, Michigan State played their best game. They came out. Nothing to take – nothing against Michigan State. Nothing. I don't want to take anything away from them. They played a great game on point. No – really no too many errors. Um, Rocky Lombardi had a solid, perfect game, 100% accuracy on his, his long passing. You know, they beat us on five passes. Um, they're on point. Their defense is on point. They beat us in the trenches. They played a, the best game they could play against Michigan. And we just need to move past this, and hopefully Michigan can learn, and I think they will, and I think we're, we can come back out um, against Indiana. And, and I know we, we know that this is a trap game. It woke us up against Michigan State, and I think we can come back against Indiana with – with uh, we're going to be on fire. I think we're going to be ready to play. And I think Don Brown, it woke down. Maybe Don Brown has, is finally this woke him up. I mean, I know two years against Ohio State didn't do it, but maybe this this kind of um, changes his philosophy. So I know I know we got to get into the defense still. So yeah, so, but, so let's go ahead and jump in there because this is an area to where now now if I'm yeah. being honest, I'm going to be very gracious with his defense because they only gave up 27 points and. To give up 27 points when the refs are really calling it one way and Michigan got called on a couple – they were calling a very tight game to where I think it did scare some of our defensive backs to where they, they, they had to play a little bit further off because they were afraid of getting called. Now, if they're calling it close like that, Kyle, Don Brown's job is to do some in-game adjustments. Put a safety back there. Do a cover two. Whatever you have to do, help your corners out because you know that the refs are calling a tight game. You know that they're going to be called for those things. So you need to help out your defensive backs. He failed to do so. So, again, I'm not going to blame our defense as a whole for this game because our offense should have produced way more points. But they still did not do enough to where Don Brown did not create some in-game adjustments. I mean, I I think Michigan State rolled down the field from the five-yard line all the way down to kick a field goal. The last drive of the game, they got it on fourth and two. They scored a touchdown before that. There were a lot of opportunities for us to seize that game, and we still failed to do so. Don Brown, once again, showed that he is just stuck in his ways, that he is not going to make adjustments. Those poor kids. It reminded me of Brandon Watson playing Ohio State in 2018 where he got burned for five touchdowns, and Don Brown still failed to put any help around him. He did the same thing in this game. Gray got beat play after play. He looked physically defeated. He looked so bad. And I felt bad for him because he looked like he was defeated physically, mentally, everything. And Don Brown still failed to help him out. I want you to bring us through again this debacle that we had on defense. Their defensive backs, our, our offense, our, our defensive front seven who failed to get any pressure on Lombardi. Bring us through what you saw on the defensive side and what was a, a part and, and a really a help in this debacle we saw on Saturday. Well, well, Zach, you really nailed it, especially with the our defensive line. Um, you know, I've seen Carlo Kemp getting a little hyped up. It looked like he was – they were getting ready to do some damage up there. But, to me, they got beat on the defensive line. Um, they got beat on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they got beat in the trenches. And we didn't have enough pressure up front to help out with those corners, to help out with the defensive backs in general. With Lombardi, the way he was throwing all that all game – you have to put some pressure on Lombardi to, to make him a little bit more inaccurate with those throws and make him rush that those throws and have to, to have to throw shorter distances to different um, wide receivers. But he, you know, Lombardi threw those five really impactful plays, those five passes that 
really dictated the game and really um, burned out our, our defensive backs. You know, Don Brown needs to change his defensive schemes to, to help out this young, experienced secondary. They're, they're on islands with no help. He's all about the blitz, but no help down deep. We got, we've got to be defensively, and there are hardly any pressure on Rocky Lombardi as well with uh, some of the blitzes that we were trying to send out. Um, we have to improve. We have to strengthen the secondary. We have to, we have to figure out a way to strengthen the, the cornerbacks, and that's either bringing Dax Hill to the cornerback position, uh, zoning things out. We have to stiffen it up. We have to, we have to strengthen that, that area. That's what Don Brown really needs to focus on is a way to prop that position group up. Um, he hasn't done that. He never tried to adjust. It seems like he was trying a little bit here and there. It just never worked out. Um, they're on islands, man. They're, and they're getting burned. Jamon Green, you know, I forgot to bring him up last week against Minnesota because he did great. He was outstanding. He's young, un- inexperienced. But he got burned. He got burned uh, in the touchdown. Um, he, he, he didn't turn his uh, back around to see the football. All game that our corners just were not turning their backs to see the ball, and we had sloppy penalties because of that. We had a lot of inexcusable penalties that were real good on the refs. The refs did a good job of calling them, and they they uh, we had the one touchdown that I think was a touchdown on our side that should have been reviewed for a touchdown that I think would have changed a lot too, but it was never reviewed. It should have been. But besides that. Most of the, the penalties on our our secondary and on our defense it goes to show the lack of discipline and, and the way the refs really look. Our Don Brown's defenses they're they're used to holding, they're used to jabbing, they're used to touching and, and and trying to get away with as much as they can. So these refs knew that going into this game, and they pulled every flag for everything that they did, and they had to adjust to that. Our corners had to be able to adjust to that and, and lay off. And it, and when it seems like when they did try to do that, they got burnt. You got to turn your head around. And now in Jamon Green, Vincent Gray, the two penalties he had right off the bat, the first two quarters and uh, the pass interferences, Vincent Gray not getting his head turned, he got burned. I mean, they got torched all day long. They burned us so bad. It made us look sloppy. It made us look foolish at the secondary. Don, it looked like Ohio State all over again the past two years. And they knew it. They knew that they could play RPO, that they could, they could run us all day on the, on the edges and the long passes. They knew that's our weak, weak point was the defensive back position, and they did it. It was a really good effort for, for them. Um, Gray got continuously beat, and, and we had zero sacks. Only two hurries against Lombardi. Last week, the Rutgers got three sacks and a few hurries. There needs to be pressure against the quarterback to help out. Lombardi went for 17 for 32 for 323 yards, three touchdowns, with only a 53% passer rate. You know, like I said earlier, Joe Millen had the 63, I think is what I said. Five of those throws were 30 yards or more. Long throws beating out our secondary is what burned us. Out of those five throws, he was he wasn't impressive besides those five throws. You know, Lombardi really keyed on those those throws. Besides that, his stats weren't as impressive as what what he seemed to be. But uh, 
they hit us on the big plays, what mattered most. MSU attacked Vincent Green, Jamon Green, and attacked it well. Uh, Steven Asentoski from Twitter. This man is awesome at breaking down film, by the way. Um, I got to give him a shout out and give him credit for this. He really broke it down and, and he said, look, the cornerback position group was responsible for 256 yards, four penalties, one touchdown. And out of the 256 yards, it was probably 52 in the almost impossible to defend category. So regardless, over 200 yards due to the cornerback miscues, I mean, that's pretty rough. Ricky White was impressive with eight catches for 196 yards and a touchdown. True freshman and uh, was really the freshman of the week with a 90.6 grade. Ten penalties. We had ten penalties for 86 yards total with our secondary not getting their head turned around. Schemes need to be changed. Secondary was left hanging. Don Brown needs to make it easier for them without the experience. We don't have experience there. You need to help them out, Don Brown. Need to change what fits to the skills of the corners. That's the thing is if the corners aren't skilled with what you've been doing for the past five or six years, you change it up. Go to their skill sets. Help them out. And I don't think he's seeing that. These kids are young. You know, they're well, 18, he's, also, he, he, he's also failed to recruit well, too. I mean, we don't have the well, same defensive backs that we had in 2016. I'm sorry, we don't. He's failed well, I will to recruit. Say this, I will say this, that Michigan has recruited – a lot of DBs in the, in 2019 and 2000, uh, 2018, 2019's recruitment. That was also from Steven. He also brought that up and mentioned that we have, re, we have actually recruited mostly a lot of our defensive backs in the last two years, which tells me there's something going on. Why, why Don Brown can't figure this out. And, and so I, I'm really burning on Don Brown at this point, you know, it's, why were we so good with when we had uh, Dirk and, and all of a sudden with um, all of a sudden with uh, Don Brown? It seemed like the first couple of years he was good, but I think as teams caught on to his style, his all-out blitz style, you know, we were able they were able to find his weaknesses. And he's not adjusting. It's like that's all he knows, and he's too stubborn to get out of those ways. Um, or he's just weak, yeah. or or he's just it's one of his weaknesses to where he can't. He can't adjust. Another thing, too, I want to bring up is our, our defensive line coach, Nua. I mean, he has just as much responsibility in this, okay? He doesn't well, have yeah. responsibility over the defensive backs, but, I mean, goodness sakes, man, our front seven, who are supposed to be the best front seven in the Big Ten, we got zero pressure on Lombardi. That's on Nua. Well, there was also multiple offsides on the defensive line, three guys specifically. That can't happen. You know, third and long on one of the penalties – you know, there was a lot of momentum on our side, and all of a sudden it was just taken away. Um, the penalties killed us. So that's that's the biggest thing, especially in the red zone. Uh, you know, Minnesota ran strictly RPO and rarely tested the CBs outside of that. So we did a lot better on the defensive side last game against Minnesota. But – with Michigan State, they went outside that RPL, and the uh, pass protection was also terrible. You know, so MSU often kept seven in the block against Michigan's uh, pass rush, which usually is four for five, and uh, throws were quick. You know, Lombardi had quick, quick snap outs, and um, he, he was he was able to get it off and release, and those little small passes they did do that weren't as impressive, but they they 
they rocked us all day long. And that was, that was their plan. They came with a good game plan and Don Brown wasn't able to adjust. And we see what's, what's happened. This is deja vu from Ohio state for the past two years that, you know, so. And then, and, then, and then you look at Ohio State play Penn State, and they just look flawless again. Justin Fields throwing for, for five touchdowns. And they asked him after the game, you know, what weakness do you see on this offense, if there is any? He said, there is no weakness. His words, Justin Fields says, there is no weakness on their offense. And I'm terrified of what they're going to do to our defense uh, come December 12th because it's not going to be good. Um, I think when you look through this whole game again, um, I, I know – yeah, go ahead. Well, we still don't know what type of team we're going to be. We don't know if we're going to be a team that only lost this one team or this one game and we turn everything around, or we don't know if we're going to be a team that ends up losing four or five games, uh, potentially. Uh, we don't know. And right now it's looking like, heck, we had one great team against uh, game against Minnesota, but then we turn around and lose to Michigan State. Now we find out Minnesota lost this week. Um, I mean, it's, it's what type of team do we have? Yeah. Um, we still control our own destiny. We have to fix the mistakes, play better, uh, clean everything up. We have to figure this out fast, and we have to put this game behind us and come out with a chip, in, a chip on our shoulder and go on a winning streak like we have done before and be better prepared for OSU this coming up year. Um, MSU still has to play Indiana, Penn State, and Ohio State, which I'm guessing they won't win at least one of those games. So that still puts yeah. us in control of our own destiny. Um, we still are in control of our own destiny right now. So with that said, we need to forget this loss, move past it, and be ready for Indiana. And I know the fans don't have to. We can sit here and dwell on it all day because we're fans. Yeah. But as players, they need to – They got to move on. And in, in, in a way, I mean, as, as part of – is a part of our show here. Like, yeah, we're fans, you know, but at the same time, like we, we got to look at this from a, from an analyst standpoint and say, look, we, we have to move on because we have Indiana this week and Indiana is a team who's two and zero. they, they, they upset Penn state. Um, they, they, they went out and had a big win against Rutgers last week who Rutgers had a first game win against Michigan state. And um, so Indiana's good, man. I tell you what, coach Allen over there has really brought his team um past that hump they came close a lot in the past i mean michigan wins, has went into overtime with them twice under hardball with coach allen on the other side of the field um they they finally beat penn state they came close a lot and uh, i tell you what man he got his team over the hump and this is gonna be a tough matchup this weekend man we got we got a team going we got we got a, a bruised michigan team which we're either going to come out of the cage with their backs against the corner ready to fight and we're going to have a great game we're going to win or we're going to tuck our towels behind our legs and we're going to kind of come out there flat again and Indiana is going to come out and uh, um, beat us bad. And so either way, I mean, there's two things that are going to happen this week, but we know statistically we look at Indiana, they look like a pretty scary team right now. And especially with how um, poor our defense is and how we know our defense is just not as good as what we had thought. It, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to what could possibly be another beatdown on our defensive secondary. What What are your thoughts on this coming game this weekend? Well, I mean, my initial thoughts are moving moving forward, and our, our we have to clean up the uh, errors from last week. We need to. <coughs> excuse me. We need to go back to the basics on offense. What What we're you know, what we're good at. And I think that's the basic plays of uh, what, what beat Minnesota 
Um, I think we were just getting too fancy down in the red zone that, you know, we got to clean up the penalties on defense. We need to get open. as Our wide receivers need to get open. Roman Wilson did a great job, but they need to get open more. Um, Blake Corbin's doing great, so I think he's – I think our, we need to cut our running backs down to two key running backs instead of having four running backs out there all the time. We need, you know, with Blake Corum's running good, keep him out there in Hassan, you know, and then cut down Zach Charbonnet's uh, carries, which you are, they already have, um, which, you know, it's not <laughs> – Zach Charbonnet's great. So you got to pick two or two or three of these running backs and just stick with them instead of trying to run – it just seems like they're juggling too much. They got all these different players that they're not sure who they. That's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, best to put out there, and um, they just make, make make things more simple. You know, that's the biggest thing is making more things more simple. They need to study the game film that made them lose against Michigan State. Study it, study it, study it. Harp on it. Um, practice hard. I think they they're switching Wednesdays or Tuesdays practice to today Monday because of the election tomorrow. So they need to be just hammering it. Even on election day, they need to be studying film, going over Indiana, really pounding and going, they, they have to really get into this and figure out what's going on. Don Brown needs to figure it out with the, the DBs. Our offensive line, defensive line need to figure out what's going on there, Ed Warner. Um, they, they need to do a better job with that. Uh, Joe Milton has to work on his finesse, his touch, his poise, um, you know, his happy feet. They need to do a better job as a whole team. And execution needs to be a factor in practice. Harbaugh and the coaches need to do a better job with synchronizing and, and through their play calling and doing a better job of keeping things simple and solid and straightforward, using the energy of the team for good, not against themselves. Um, I think that's what needs to happen. So I think, uh, you know, the Indiana game, we're on a, a 32-year streak since 1987. So 27 games, it could end this weekend with Michigan losing. Michigan better find some answers quick. That's what we kind of just went over. Uh, Indiana comes into this game 2-0. Indiana won the first, the first time since 1993 as a nationally ranked team on Saturday with a 37 to 21 triumph over the Rutgers. So that's pretty big news. Uh, Hoosiers are also number 13 in the new AP media poll, their highest spot since 1987. Rightfully so. Indiana has not been ranked higher than the Wolverines in a head to head matchup since 1988. So, we're kind of back to that 1987, 1988 year when Indiana beat us the last time. Could we see that same deja vu? Can Michigan stop their offense? You know, they have to stop Michigan. Uh, uh, Michigan has to stop their, their quarterback, Michael uh, Penix Jr., who honestly, I did. I watched some film on him. I watched him against Penn State with that overtime win where he ran – you know, he the break the the pocket broke down and he ran outside, didn't see anybody open, and just natural instincts ran for the pylon and scored that touchdown. So he, we we kind of have a a hero in the making here in Indiana. People are really high on this Penix. He's only a sophomore. He's like six foot three, two hundred and twenty three pounds or something like that. He was one hundred ninety pounds in high school. He's from Tampa Bay. The guy uh, is they're real high on him. He's he's pretty accurate. He's uh, 
you know, he's he had 408 yards so far this year. Scott, the running back, is uh, 138 yards rushing. You got the wide receiver, Fillior, 173 yards receiving. Then you have another wide receiver who last week had four receptions for 46 yards, averaging around 11 and a half yards per catch. Honestly, Tom Allen is a great coach, and he knows how to coach this team for Michigan and for, for other big teams. He knows how to try to upset us. He knows how to get under our skin. And we have upset Tom Allen in the past. The fans have texted him and emailed him in the past with bogus threats and bogus stuff. And so he's the kind of guy where he's he's ready to beat Michigan. And I think if it's any year that he's he wants to do, it's going to be this year with a 2-0 team who's physical. They have the momentum. And uh, right now, ESPN paints dark picture for Michigan using the FPI predictions. Uh, Michigan only has a 43.2% chance to win against Indiana. It has to travel to Indiana to upset them and Tom Allen. Michigan opened up Sunday as a two-point favorite in the Vegas lines as they were posted. So contrast between ESPN, FPI, Vegas odds, um, there's a lot going on there. Honestly, we got to stop Michael uh, – Penix Jr. And we got to stop Stevie Scott. Stevie Scott's their their big running back who seems to be powerhousing it too. So it's going to be a combination. Really, we have to key on the rush, stopping their offense. We got to key on our DBs again because they're going to continue to hammer our weakest point, which is our our defensive backs, until we finally get that right. And right now, it's looking like Penix is a pretty good thrower. He's pretty accurate. Well, and um, in the years past, too, I think Indiana exposed their defensive secondary to where I, I can guarantee they're going to be throwing nothing but crossing routes and open field passes. And um, I, I, I tell you, man, if, if Don Brown does not adjust in this game, it's, it, it's going to be bad. It's going to be worse than Michigan State. I mean, Indiana's got a, a possibility to put up some major points through the air on us. They have a really mobile quarterback. If he does not adjust something this week, it's it's not going to be good. It, it will not be good for us. He's a dual threat, pro style quarterback. He's six foot three, two hundred twenty three pounds. Um, they have offensive coordinator Nick Sheridan his first year, and he's been great. He's I guess the old, he was there he, he's the old, he's the old quarterback at Michigan. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. So. Um, you know, Indiana's defense shines, too, in the past two games, only allowing Rutgers with 177 yards total and Penn State only 250 yards against Penn State, which that's pretty good for a defense. So it's not all their offense. Their defense has also been doing a pretty good job of keeping these teams yeah. at bay. Now we're talking the Rutgers, but, again, Michigan State lost the Rutgers, and we just lost Michigan State. Uh, Penn State, I mean, they beat Penn State, and they kept that them held them to 250 yards total. Now we're not yeah. talking just offense. We're talking total. We're not talking about just passing. We're talking about the total offense. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's <laughs> this it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be hard. This is gonna be a tough battle against Indiana. Uh, you know, there was a, there's a lot of messages from the post conference of what Harbaugh had to say from the Michigan State game and leaning towards Indiana. Uh, maybe we can put that in a different video, a short video next. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot going on there, you know, with Bob Shoop and, and clearing some things up there. But we'll leave that for a short video if, if kind of a bonus bonus yeah. video if people want to tune into that. But yeah, when it comes to Indiana, man, 
it, it's it's uh I'm scared because I see a dual threat quarterback who's got a really big arm pro style. I see an offense that's that's groomed, ready to go. An offensive coordinator that's that's um doing pretty good as his first year. Yeah. And and we have problems over at Michigan right now trying to f- sort through things and try to figure out who we are, even though Harbaugh is trying to act like there is there isn't, you know, and you know, Harbaugh said there's things we gotta work on, and everything else, but they don't seem too worried. But me, I'm worried. I think that we're gonna have to really show up and we're gonna have to really change our our schemes and change some things up before we go in Indiana or else you're right this could be a blowout Michigan could get blown out we could get upset pretty big and it it might not be a good game I I think the worst thing for this team is was actually shown in those post-game conference uh those interviews with Joe Milton and Harbaugh and they they act like nothing's wrong they act like they just got to own it and, and move on Joe Milton was asked if he if he you know, if, if number 34 forgot his name from Michigan state was even on his radar, Joe Millen had an arrogant response of who's that? No, he, he wasn't on my radar. Like, kind of a, we say we have to own it, but they don't want to own it because they don't want to give credit to where credit's due. And Harbaugh is doing the same thing of, you know, we're not worried kind of covering ourselves with, you know, we're, we're not worried about this. Well, you know what? You should be worried. And this is the exact reason of why they're never going, why I don't believe they will ever get out of the hump and get over the hump is because, Harbaugh and his pridefulness has obviously trickled down to our team and they think that nothing is wrong when obviously we can see that a lot is wrong. And so we'll see how they respond this week. If they go in there with the same attitude of, you know, that, that they don't need to change anything that they're doing. They just have to execute. Then I think they're going to get blown out again. So that's my expectation for this week. Um, but uh, um, what's your prediction, man? What, what, what's, what are you predicting? I think I think uh, I mean I, I think Indiana's going to come out and I think you're going to see a, a 34 to um, 26 win 34 26 34 28 I think I think that's generous I think you're going to see our offense do a little bit better I think you're going to see them make some plays um, but I just think Indiana's offense is going to be too much. Again, this is a season in college football to where it's whoever can score the most points, and I just think they're going to score more, more, more points. So are us. you picking Indiana, beating yeah. upsetting, beating Michigan? Yep, yep. I'm going to say Indiana's going to beat Michigan 30, 34-26 or 34-28. to 28. I just – again, I don't have any hope, man. And from what I saw with the pridefulness and them not being able to change and adjust, this is where I'm at, man. I mean – I, I don't see it being prideful. I think Michigan is hurt, and I think that they're arrogant. Joe Millen Harbaugh's is, arrogant. I think he's awkward, and he socially has some awkward issues when it comes to being in public and press and being under pressure. And when he's stressed and he's vulnerable, you know, when he's almost like he's naked, <laughs> he's just sitting there um, naked. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he's, he's he's vulnerable he's i think he, he just i think he gets very um socially awkward so he doesn't know what to say that's why you always see the oh oh yeah you know we just we got me i don't know you know what else you want me you know i think that's you know and he's kind of got that dry personality when it comes to a press conference anyways you have to you have to say the right questions you have to say it right to him you have to make sure everything's on point 
it's kind of like that Nick Saban or Bill Belichick type of style that he seems to have at points when he doesn't want to answer anything um, after a loss. And, and so you have to expect that the frustration from Joe Milton too, you got to expect these young kids, they're frustrated, they're upset. Um, I think he did own up to it. I think he did a good job of explaining, you know, but yeah, he, they, they, they need to be prepared. They need to be uh, ready for this. I think our offense will do better. I think we will improve on the offensive side. I think the defense defense will continue to struggle. And uh, I think that our wide receivers will get more open, which is going to be the biggest improvement, which was one of the biggest the biggest things, the reasons why I think we lost against Michigan State was our wide receivers not being open enough. And I, and then I think our defense, which was, the other biggest thing was our DBs getting burned and on islands. I think that's going to continue. So I see a high-scoring game, but I do think Michigan will pull this out with a very tight battle, 37-34. Uh, to 34. And it's, it's crazy because me and you almost have the same score predictions. And we didn't even tell each other before this, before this podcast. And so I think, I think we're right there. We're kind of synced in, but uh, obviously you're playing bad cop today. I'm playing good cop. And uh, I am going to stick <laughs> with the Michigan Wolverines. The winged helmet, baby. Go blue. Hashtag go blue. <laughs> Kyle Irby oh, at Kyle Irby underscore Twitter. Hey, Michigan's gonna pull it off. I ain't giving up on the boys yet. All I right. think we're gonna beat Indiana at a tight battle. It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be one in the trenches. Our wide receiver's gonna get open. Joe Milton's gonna punch some. He's gonna punch some Hoosiers in the face. I yeah. think Harbaugh. They're gonna come out hungry and they're gonna beat every team. Going on out, all the Ohio State. We're gonna burn, burn the Midwest down to the ground. Well, Kyle, for your sake, I hope, I hope, uh, hope you're right. But uh, again, I have no hope. The only hope I have is to go out and watch Tom Brady play. The only hope I have for Michigan football is to live in the past and watch Tom Brady play on Monday Night Football tonight. And so, um, he's uh, him and the him and the Buccaneers are playing against the Giants tonight. So I'm gonna go and watch that game and relive my Michigan fandom through players who haven't played for Michigan in 20 something years. So, but, uh, but anyways, but before we transition out of here um, again, I just want to say thank you guys for, for, for tuning in. This has been a hard week, but this is why we're here. We're, we're a voice of the fans of Michigan sports and we're here for you guys to engage with you guys. And so um, go ahead. And uh, again, if you guys are looking for any needs photography wise, go ahead look at Nick Reed media. He's a great guy for that. He's helped us out with our graphic, did a wonderful job. Um, Kyle, before we head out, we can't, we can't close out with having a moment of silence for our three dogs, Corky, Suds, and Mia. And so despite win or losing, we have to have a moment of silence for them. So let's go ahead and do that now. And moving on to the last thing, uh, again, we, uh, we want to advocate for Murder Wolf. We feel the loss of you this season for not having you in the streets of Ann Arbor. So Murder Wolf, um, we, we, we are, we are excited to have you back, my friend, next year in the streets of Ann Arbor, and hopefully we can get you on the field somehow. Don't know if it'll happen, but we're advocating for you. For all you Buckeye fans, enjoy the sweet season because you still have to remember that it is 58, 51, and 6, and we're still in the series lead. This year it'll most likely be 58, 52, and 6, but until you surpass us, you are still all losers.
Anyway, Kyle, uh, it's, it's great to be with you again today and tonight to discuss Michigan football, and we will see you guys here shortly. Till next time, Dulo out.